It's a wonderful blessing to know that as a church, we are called not to just come and sit and soak and be here on a Sunday and take it all in. This is really important because we learn and we grow in this time. But we then recognize that there's a, another step. There's a reason in all of that that we would go and that we would then serve. Because we are a church. We are the people of hope. Because we have been given the good news. And we know we have hope in Christ. And we are then to share that with everyone. Everyone that God brings into our life. Every day. You know, Jesus said, and He said this in the passage we just covered recently in our study of Mark. He said, I have not come to be served, but to serve. You know, Jesus has been teaching His disciples what it looks like to be His followers. And that's been the whole theme in our study in the Gospel of Mark. The way of Jesus. What does it look like to follow Jesus on the way? Every step of the way, Jesus spent over three years with His disciples and His crew. Right? His group. And He ate with them. And He slept next to them. And He, he walked with them. And he, he talked with them. And He taught them. He taught them with words. He taught them with examples and things that He did. He, 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 he cast out demons and He performed miracles. And, and Jesus did so much to teach His disciples, look, this is what you're called to do. And He even told them there will be a day when I'm not going to be here with you. And you need to carry on my mission. More than 2,000 years ago, church, we sit here carrying on the mission of Jesus, called to be His disciples. And so our passage this morning in Mark 11, the first 19 verses, Mark 11, 1 to 19, sees Jesus teaching His disciples the importance of having the outside what appears to the world and the people around you, be a reflection, a true reflection of what's going on on the inside. See, we know that looks can be deceiving. We have lots of phrases, right, in, in, in uh, you know, society like looks can be deceiving, don't judge a book by its cover, right? These ideas give us what? It reminds us that we shouldn't just judge by what we see, but that what we see should really be a good reflection and a true reflection of what's going on on the inside. Jesus spent so much time talking to, debating with, arguing with, and away, just putting in their place the religious leaders because so much of what they did was hypocritical. They wanted to look good on the outside, but what was inside was corrupt. And so here we are in our study the life and times of Jesus, on the way, teaching His disciples, and we come to this moment that begins the very last week of His life on earth. The very last week that He has to teach His disciples. And we call it the triumphal entry. We see Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, and we see many people praising Him and shouting out, Hosanna, save us it means. They lay down the palm branches and they welcome in their king. But that's not going to be a focus of our message today. Pretty shortly we're actually uh, approaching that time of Easter. And of course the Sunday before Easter is what we call Palm Sunday. And so we will look in depth at that story. But this is the beginning of this passage today in Mark 11 that really ushers in Jesus not only coming into Jerusalem, his city, as its king, 
But yet we see Jesus beginning to double down on his teaching the disciples of the impending judgment of Israel. Why is Israel, God's chosen people, going to be disciplined? Why are they going to be judged and punished? Because very simply, their outside looked really good. But the inside was corrupt. They were created for a purpose, God's people, but they were not serving that purpose. They were not living up to what God had called them to do. So Jesus teaches them, the disciples, what this looks like. So some of these passages and these verses maybe can be a little hard to swallow because who likes to talk about judgment? And who likes to look at Jesus really teaching about the coming judgment of Israel? Now it could be easy for us to say, to kind of disassociate ourselves and say, oh yeah, Israel was going to be judged, they were judged, but there's a lot in here that's meant just for us. And what does it look like for us to take these teachings of Jesus as His disciples and apply them to our lives today so we're going to read this now together this is mark 11 1 to 19 and it begins with that very familiar story of the triumphal entry of jesus entering into jerusalem but then you'll notice as the events unfold we see jesus cursing a fig tree And then we see Jesus going back into the temple and overturning, being so indignant, overturning the tables of the money changers and those selling sacrifices. say, how does that relate to Jesus coming in as king? What we're going to see in three different scenarios, the triumphal entry, the cursing of the fig tree, and cleansing the temple, that Jesus is teaching us a very powerful lesson. Yes, the people of Israel have an impending judgment upon them, for their hypocrisy. But he's also telling us right here this morning in this place that we need to check our hearts. Does our worship of him outwardly, does it reflect what's really going on in our hearts? Do we come to church and just kind of play at church? We tell everybody everything's great when on the inside you're truly struggling to keep it all together. And Jesus says it's not really about the looks it's not about the outside it's about what's going on in the heart and so we're going to look at some hard-hitting verses today that really should be for us to challenge us to motivate us yes to encourage us to take a look at ourselves and so i would just ask that as we go through this passage be willing to let the lord move you and speak to you in a way perhaps he hasn't before maybe you haven't let him But God desires transformation from the inside out. But you know, looks can be deceiving. So let's not just say that it all looks good on the outside, but not care about what's truly going on on the inside. Let's read this, and we'll look at what he has for us today. Mark 11, 1 to 19. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, that's Jesus and of course his disciples, to Bethpage and to Bethany, two towns Uh, by the Mount of Olives, just right outside of Jerusalem. Jesus sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, go into the village that's in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. So untie it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, hey, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and we'll send it back here immediately. 
And so they went away. They found a colt tied at the door outside the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David! Hosanna in the highest! And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. When he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So it means that they left the city. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, they're heading back to Jerusalem, Jesus was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. So when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And so they came to Jerusalem and Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And He would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And He was teaching them and saying, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. So if you see what's happening here, if you follow along chronologically, they make their way into Jerusalem. The crowds are yelling Hosanna, which simply means save us, save us now. They're waving palm branches. They laid them down, cloaks, palm branches. Jesus got the the cult that, that um, he had called for, they put cloaks on it. He rode in on a donkey, not a stallion, a donkey, coming in as the king. People were waving and shouting, and he came in. And he looked around, but it was late in the day, and he looked around, he pervaded everything that was going on, and they left. But the next morning, they got up to go back into Jerusalem, and on the way, he sees this fig tree. And it said it was in leaves. There's a lot of beautiful leaves on it, and he approaches it, looking for something to eat, but there was no fruit. So Jesus curses the fig tree. But then they go in to Jerusalem. And immediately the first thing he does, they go back to the temple where he was the night before. He saw everything going on. And with indignance, he overturns the tables of the money changers. And those selling like doves and other things to be sacrificed. Remember, it was the time of the Passover feast. So there were pilgrims from all around the area coming in. Jews from all over, every area coming in to celebrate the Passover coming in. So Jerusalem was packed, packed with people. So much activity going on in the temple. And Jesus sees it and drives them out. And we're going to see why. Those are the three things that are happening. What a way to begin His last week of ministry and His last week of life. So we're going to look at these three things in order. But the overall theme here is Jesus teaching us That looks can be deceiving. What's going on on the outside 
might not be what's going on on the inside. That something, everything that God creates is for a purpose, with a plan. But is it being used for that purpose? And we'll see how it applies to us. You know, um, my son Luke is in the film industry, and we, we talk a lot about the projects that he's working on. And, and uh, you know, as a kid, we, he always knew he was going to go into this. It was one of those things, and, and we always used to watch movies together. It was one of the things we loved to do. And, uh, you know, um, as a kid, I loved Star Wars. It was one of my favorite movies. I, I, got, I actually, I'm kind of dating myself, but I saw the very first one ever made in the movie theaters way back when, the 19, you know, right? Right? Way back when. And, um, but you know, that kind of got him hooked and we would watch them and talk about them. And he loved to kind of see how the films were made. Like he loved to just watch even the, the special features more than the movie itself to see how did they actually do this? And one of the types of movies and shows that we love to watch most together were Westerns of your fans of that, but I grew up watching them with my dad. And so we would watch all these Westerns, new ones and, and older classic Westerns. And you know, I love to, to, to see these little towns that were coming up in the West, these towns right where the gunfighters would have it out, and there was always a saloon and a general store and all that. And you look at it, you're like, wow, look at this town, everything's going on, and you see like the outside of the saloon, and they go in, and here's a big bustling place, and, and so I remember Luke just saying, you know, Dad, it's not a real, it's not a real building, it's just a facade like in the movies, you know, and I was like, man, it's kind of hard to watch a movie with him these days, because everything's kind of ruined, you know. But you see that, right? And you see like, okay, when they're making a movie and they're going to shoot the outside of this, they don't need to build a whole building, so they create a facade. So it looks like it's a general store or a bank or a saloon, whatever it is, but really it's just a front. And if you were to turn and look at the side, there's just some beams holding it up. There's no building there. So it looks like one thing on the outside But it's really of no use to anybody because you open the door on the film set and it opens into nothing. But you know, like in the the movie industry, they have to make things appear as one way, but perhaps it really isn't what it is. That's part of filmmaking, right? Actors pretending to be other people. There's a lot going on. But you see, Jesus is kind of saying, look, he's entering to Jerusalem. He goes, we might think there's people welcoming me in as king. But it's truly not that way. It might look like there's so much happening in the temple. People are praying and worshiping. But that's really not what's happening on the inside. And see that fig tree with all the beautiful leaves on it? There's no fruit on it. It's actually good for nothing but just looking at. So Jesus is taking these moments as he always done, as he always has been doing, all along the way, teaching his disciples. And he recognizes time is short, and they need to learn these things and see it, and they hear what he says. And so the first thing that happens, we see now that they are actually approaching Jerusalem. Everything we've been talking about in our study of Mark has been sort of leading up to this. They were on their way to Jerusalem is teaching, and Jesus is teaching his disciples, are you willing to follow me? Are you coming with me? You don't even truly know what's about to happen. So they're coming in, and, G- and so much in this passage fulfills Old Testament prophecies. We're going to get into that more actually on Palm Sunday. But for our purposes this morning, we see the event as it is what's happening. He says, there's a cult, and it's tied up, go get it. Fulfills a prophecy. 
and they lay the cloaks on it. He comes in there singing Hosanna. There's this back and forth. Blessed is he and Hosanna. Come and save us. And it's fulfilling prophecy from the Old Testament. And they're coming into Jerusalem, Jesus and his disciples, and they're seeing all this fanfare. But you know, that was typical in a way. They didn't just break it out just for Jesus, that they would often be crowds of people welcoming in the pilgrims from all over, the Jews coming in for the week of the Passover celebration. Yes, I'm sure there were some who truly meant what they were saying. Here's our king. But we know it happens less than a week later, don't we? So truly what was going on? Jesus knew it. You know, it says in Luke's account of the triumphal entry, it says that Jesus saw what was happening and he wept. Can you imagine that? Here's Jesus coming in finally. He's saying, it's okay, recognize me as king. We're going to fulfill these prophecies. They'll all know what it's about. And here they are, the big fanfare for the king. And in Luke's account, it says he looked at what was happening and he wept. Shouldn't he be rejoicing as the king? Look at my people welcoming me. But Luke's account says this. When they got close to the city and Jesus saw it, he wept over it, meaning over Jerusalem. And then he said these words. Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that really make for peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus is pronouncing judgment on the people of Israel and he weeps over it. For everybody else and even all his disciples, they said, wow, look at this. What a great welcome. We have finally arrived. They are finally recognizing Jesus as King, but He sees it for what it is. For all of the fanfare, all of the hosannas, and all of the palm waving, and all of the cloaks and everything, Jesus is saying, it's not really what it appears to be. And Jesus wept. What does that mean for us? The people were worshiping Jesus. You know, we were created for worship. God created us first and foremost to bring Him glory, to worship Him. We are created to worship, but Jesus desires true, authentic worship. Worship from the heart. Not just on the outside. That was the the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees. On the outside, man, it looked all good. They were religious. They were righteous. But on the inside, their heart was corrupt. And Jesus saw it in so many of the people that were welcoming Him in. Are we willing to welcome the King into our hearts? Are we willing to welcome in Jesus as King for what He truly is? For what He truly wants to do? Or are we just putting on a show? Do we just come in on Sundays and just kind of say everything's great? And we worship and we raise hands and... But what's going on is we're thinking of other things. Our hearts are elsewhere. We really don't, we don't care about worshiping God. Like I said, some of these words can be difficult to hear. But are we willing to take it, to let it sink in and say, God, I don't want to be hypocritical. 
like those religious leaders. I don't want to be hypocritical like some of those that were waving palm branches and singing and just were about to turn me over. Like, Is that the kind of worship that God desires? Jesus approached Jerusalem and He wept because He knew their hearts. God knows our hearts this morning. People might not see it. We're pretty good, all of us. We can put on a show if we want. But what's going on in the heart? As a believer, as a follower of Jesus, are you willing to let Him be King of your heart? Now we know, no matter what we surrender, no matter how well we do that, He is still the King, is He not? Whether we make Him King of our hearts or not. But the question for us is, are we going to be like Jerusalem? Are we going to look good from the outside? It was a bustling city. Everybody's coming to do what? To worship God. They're buying doves and they're buying other animals to offer as a sacrifice. They're coming in to give of their money and offerings. They're coming to do that. But where's their heart? And Jesus is calling out the religious leaders, the people of Israel, and say, you're speaking with lips, but your hearts are far from me. He sees it and he weeps. So that's the first thing we see is they're coming into Jerusalem, fulfilling a lot of prophecy. And Jesus is finally saying, yes, recognize me as the king. But he sees so much of what's going on. And let's not miss this before we move on to the second point of Jesus then cursing the fig tree. In verse 11, it says, okay, they entered Jerusalem. They went through it, all of the fanfare. And it says, and when he looked around at everything... As it was already late, they left the city. Just think about those words for a second. When he looked around at everything. Can you imagine being there at that moment with the disciples? They finally get into Jerusalem. They go into the temple courts and they look around and Jesus is looking around at everything. He knows what just happened. He's seeing what's about to happen. He's reflecting on all that. And he says to his followers, let's go. We'll come back tomorrow. It's almost as if Jesus has to sort of process everything that's going on. Now, He's God and He knows what has happened, what's going on, what's about to happen. But Jesus is processing everything that's going on. He says, let's leave. He kind of let them have a glimpse of what was going on. Because He needed to teach them some important lessons. And so they leave. And they spend the night outside of the city. But then it says in verse 12, so the next morning... They're going back into the city. See, most people didn't come and stay in the city. See, they're too crowded, too expensive. There wasn't places to stay. Most people stayed with others outside the city. People were very generous and welcoming and hospitable. They would invite strangers in all the time as part of the culture. And they would come and stay at friends' houses just outside the city. And each day they'd go in through the gates. And then at night they closed the gates of the city. So at night they'd have to leave before the gates closed. And so Jesus was doing just that. So on the next day, they came from Bethany. It says Jesus was hungry. And so he sees in the distance a fig tree. Now, if you have a fig tree, you know that there's supposed to be figs on it and you would eat from it. Um, Years ago, we lived behind um, an Italian restaurant one of my friends owned. And uh, he's he's a good friend, been a friend a long time, and we rented a, a house behind there. And uh, it was wonderful living there because we'd come home every night and say, 
what's for dinner? What should we feed the kids? And we would smell the pizza. And, uh, and we'd say, yes, we know what we're having. And uh, his dear mother, uh, Maria, would come out every once in a while and say, here's somebody didn't pick up this pizza. Or here's a tray of lasagna. And what a blessing that was. But outside of our house, right outside the front door, on the path leading to the restaurant, was a fig tree. There was a fig tree growing. And uh, so my friend came and he showed me, he said, you know, this is the season where the figs will grow. It's in spring and just like here, it's around April that it starts to grow, but it doesn't really give out figs until the summer. There's going to be beautiful green leaves on it, but there's these little buds that come out first and those are edible too. And then eventually they fall away and then the actual figs come out in season. So at this moment in time, Jesus approaches, and Mark even says it wasn't the season for figs yet, but Jesus, of course, would have known there should have been these little buds that were growing, that were edible, and usually it was the peasants that would collect them and eat them. So Jesus comes and he approaches it, and he says, and he notices it says there's nothing. It says he came to this tree, and he found nothing but leaves. No figs, it wasn't the season yet but also no little buds. And so Jesus does something quite remarkable. And he says this, and he's talking to the fig tree. Now, of course, he's doing it because all the disciples are listening. Can you picture it? And he says to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And that's all we know of it. And then, and then Mark moves on. So Jesus approaches a fig tree looking for something to eat. There's no figs, of course, yet, but not even little buds to eat. Just green leaves. So usually when there's no sign of little buds that you can eat, it means it's not going to produce a crop that year. So Jesus, as an object lesson, He curses the fig tree. He says, may no one ever be blessed by your fruit again. Now here's what we need to know about this, church. In the Old Testament... The fig tree is symbolic of the people of Israel. The fig tree over and over is given and used as a representation of the nation of Israel. So Jesus is showing His disciples, the people of Israel, the people that just welcomed us in, they're going to reject us. There is judgment coming because of disobedience. But we know that's true in our life, don't we? Now we know as believers we have assurance of salvation after our, our trust in Christ, and so we're not going to lose our salvation. However, we lose out on rewards. We lose out on those blessings because why? Because we're not being used for what we were created for. More on that in a second. So Jesus curses the fig tree, who all the disciples would have known represents Israel. And he says, may no one ever be blessed by your fruit again. He knew it wasn't going to fruit because there was no buds. See, he went up to it. He wanted some sustenance. He wanted some sweet fruit. And all it had was beautiful leaves. So it looked good on the outside. It served no good purpose. You see that? It was good for nothing. It was intended and created for a purpose, but really was giving nothing. You know that church that we are supposed to exhibit fruit that we've been given spiritual gifts to use to bless others that's the reality we are called to exhibit the fruit of the spirit it's not our fruit it's the spirit's fruit how do we do that we do that by being obedient 
That's how we exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. What am I forgetting? Self-control. There's another one in there. Thank you. I was just testing you. Yeah, I know. That's right. That's okay. You, you passed. Thank you, brother. But see, these are the fruit of the Spirit, right? And we are supposed to exhibit those. As disciples, he's teaching his disciples, this is what it looks like. But how do you do that? How do we do that more effectively? We are obedient. It's in our obedience that we surrender our will to His so that we can look more like Christ. And this fruit of the Spirit will then come out from us. You see, that's the whole idea of being a disciple. And Jesus is continuing to teach His followers, this is what it looks like to be a disciple. You have believed in Me as Messiah. We just sang that, Jesus Messiah, right? They have believed in Him for salvation. Then He says, okay, anyone wants to be My disciple? You take up your cross daily and you follow Me. You make a commitment to follow me to be my disciple. And here's what it looks like. It's got to come from the heart. From the inside out. You have to exhibit fruit. Why? Because you see fruit, you see a good fig hanging there. Every time I came in in the spring, into my door, I would see the figs hanging there. Oh, I'd want to eat them. They're so good. But you know, if you eat too much of one thing, it's not too good for you, right? But here's the thing. It's attractive. Yeah, there's green leaves, but there's fruit. And it's ripe. You see an apple hanging on the tree. It's got a beautiful color. There's a sweet aroma. It's attracting attention. Church, we're supposed to attract the attention of the world around us. They're supposed to say, something different about you. Anybody ever ask you that? Why do you have such a peace? Why do you go to the church every Sunday? You're taking a week off of work to go be on the streets of New York City? What? Why would you do something like that? See, it's that fruit that is supposed to be attractive to the world around us. So then they say, I'd like to learn more about that. And then we're able, see, opens a door. Then we're able to show them the beauty of God and forgiveness. That's the way it's supposed to work. But Jesus is saying here, don't be a fruit tree and bear no fruit. Because then all you're really good for is looking at. He's not going to produce anything of value. The fig tree was created to produce figs. We are created to worship God. We are choosing to be disciples so that we can bless Him, be more like Jesus, and be a testimony and a witness to the world around us. And then finally, we see Jesus. Right after that, He does that. They go in back to where they were the night before. And it says simply, they came to Jerusalem, which means they got into the city, so he cursed the fig tree. They all saw it. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought inside the temple. We know that story, right? He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He wouldn't allow anyone to carry through the temple. Here's what's going on here. So they come into the temple, and there's this scene. It's a crazy wild scene. Remember, there's millions of people, pilgrims from all over, coming in for the Passover week. But they have to come in and they know that they have to offer sacrifices. And they have certain money from whatever country they were from. But money sacrifices, money gifts and donations and offerings can only be in a certain currency. So they had to exchange them. And they have to have the right kind of sacrifice, the right kind of dove or animal, whatever it is. So here's the thing. It was okay that they were doing these things. 
But it was the way they were doing them and the heart that was behind them. And Jesus knew it. That they were taking advantage of the people. Jacking up the prices. And they weren't using the temple and its courts for what it was designed for. So Jesus throws them out. He overturns it. And see, other marketers, other people that were selling their wares, taking advantage, trying to be good business people, taking advantage of all the people there getting ready to, for the sacrifices, they were walking through the temple courts with all of their wares to sell. And it says, Jesus wouldn't even allow anyone carrying anything through the temple. He shut it all down. And why? Not, as, not just because of what they were doing, it's how they were doing it. You know, we can serve God and we can look good. We can be busy at church. It can be all about, we're here at every program, every event. That doesn't mean that we're extra spiritual, does it? That doesn't mean that we're so mature in our faith in God. Those things are good, but let's never equate what's going on with the outside with what's going on with the inside unless it's authentic. And really, at the end of the day, that's between you and God. It's not for us to judge of others, but that's between you and God. And so Jesus sees what's going on and he puts it to an end. And then he says this. Again, his disciples are listening. It says he teaches them. He says, isn't it written? And of course then, he is quoting the Old Testament. He says, isn't it written? That my house shall be a house of prayer for who? For all the nations. But you have made it a den of robbers. And after that, it says, the chief priests, the scribes, the ones who he was calling out, they again were seeking a way to destroy him. Why? Because they thought he was going to lead a rebellion. But he calls them out and he says, look, this temple, it was designed with a purpose by God. It was designed to be a house of worship and a house of prayer. So he quotes the Old Testament there and he says, didn't God say this? They should all know it. They all knew it. And he's reminding them. Didn't God have this temple created to be a house of worship and a house of prayer for Him? Look at how it's being used. Again, He's teaching the disciples. See, three things that we see. On the way in, we see Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the city built for its King. For Jesus to be the King on the throne Not used for that at all. Why? Because in a few days they reject Him. They reject the King. And so Jesus says, no stone will be left unturned. In A.D. 70, just about 30 or 40 years later, that's what happens. That prophecy is fulfilled. The temple is destroyed. Jerusalem is is sacked. Prophecy comes true. Why? Because of disobedience on the part of the people of Israel, the nation of Israel. And Jesus calls them out on that. Why? Because the city created for him as the king rejected him and rejected his kingdom. That's why he says, okay, the gospel goes to the Gentiles, grafting them in. There will be a day in the future where I will come and set up my kingdom on this earth for a thousand years. That will happen. You have not thwarted my plans, but now you don't get the blessing of it. It's like with the people of Israel. Did he not make God himself a covenant with, the, with Abraham? And he blessed them and he said, part of that Abrahamic covenant was a land. This is all going to be your land. That's unconditional. I believe that wholeheartedly. That's an unconditional promise. That is their land. Nothing can separate that. Nothing can detract from that. But yet, 
the blessing of enjoying it and inhabiting that, they didn't get that blessing. Why? Because they rejected Messiah. One day it will be theirs. It doesn't mean it's not theirs, but they're not enjoying the blessing. Church, that's like with us as well. We are believers in Jesus Christ. We have put our trust in Him for salvation. But then He says, okay, you want to be my disciple and get all the blessings and rewards of being my follower? It's going to be difficult. We've looked at all His teachings on suffering. But He said there's many rewards here and in heaven. But you know what? If we're not following Him, if we're just kind of playing at it, and our hearts aren't there, we miss out on the blessings. We miss out on those spiritual rewards that He just loves to just lavish on His people. We miss out on all of that because we're not willing to learn and to grow and to then serve Him. And so Jesus rides in and He sees Jerusalem not being used what it was created for. They're not going to have the king that was, that was meant for them. They're not going to have the kingdom that was meant for them. He curses the fig tree. Supposed to be producing fruit for the goodness and for people, but yet all it had was beautiful leaves on it. Teaching his disciples, don't be like the fig tree. That's like for us. Think about the fig tree. Don't be like the fig tree. It just looks good on the outside. That was the problem with all the religious leaders. Man, on the outside, they looked like they had it all together. They were righteous. But on the inside, their hearts were far from Him. And then finally, we see the temple. The temple created for what? Jesus reminds them. Worship and prayer. The temple was created to be a place of worship and prayer for the people of Israel. But here's the other thing. And this is how I'll end this. They were supposed to also be a testimony to the nations. When Jesus quotes from the Old Testament, He says, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? We forget that God's call, part of God's calling on the nation of Israel is to be a testimony to God's love and goodness, to be a blessing to all the nations, to be a witness to God. But they failed over and over. Why? Because they began to follow other heathen gods. Jesus says, don't intermarry with all the other nations. They began to do that. Deluding and corrupting what? Their witness. Think about your testimony. Does the way you live your life, authentically, from the heart, does it represent Christ? You know, I've mentioned this before, but there was a great study done years ago, and I I, um, have a book on it called Unchristian. And they basically interviewed a bunch of millennials. And they asked them just basic questions. These are all millennials who are not not believers, not Christians. And they would ask them questions about the church and about Jesus. And they had a video that came out with it. And you could see when they were asked about Jesus, their eyes lit up. People on the whole wanted to learn about Jesus. They had to talk about Jesus. Even if they didn't recognize him as God, they would say, yeah, he was a good teacher and he taught a lot about peace and good things. And they wanted to learn more about Jesus. But then when they were asked, well, what do you think of Christians? What do you think of the church? Their whole demeanor changed. Their faces kind of had a, you know, a scowl on it. And the things they said, no, we don't trust them. Why? Oh, they're homophobic. They're bigots. They're, they're, they're bigots. They, all they do is, is, all they're known about is what they're against and not what they're for. Whether it's true or not, that's the impression that much of the world has for us. So what does that mean as a whole? It means we're not doing a good job in our testimony 
for Christ. See, church, it's very sobering. But we are called as the church to be Christ's representatives here on earth. Until He returns for us, His bride, we are to represent Him well. Just like a bride waiting for the groom to come in. Right? Just like, just like in a wedding ceremony, we see that we are, as a church, the bride of Christ to be prepared for Him. While we're doing that, we are to be a witness to the world around us. And oftentimes we fail at that. And Jesus is saying, don't be like the fig tree. Just with the leaves but no fruit. Don't be like Jerusalem. Designed for a king, but to not let that king rule in your heart. Don't be like the temple. Do you know that we are now called the temple of the living God? There no longer needs to be an actual temple, a place where we go and worship and pray. We have the Holy Spirit within us, church, and we are now called the temple. So if that's what Jesus saw going on in the temple, and He overturned those tables, what does He see in our hearts? What does He see going on inside of this temple? Is what is happening and appears on the outside, our testimony, a true authentic reflection of what's going on in here. So we are to remember from this teaching that Jesus is about to spend the last few days in His ministry with His disciples, those that He loved, that He adored, that of course He is willing to die for. And He's teaching them and teaching us today. We're created to worship. But let's be authentic. Let's just not raise hands and say, Hosanna and welcome Him in, but not truly be willing to let Him be King. He said that He was called and He has come to serve and not be served. We should do the same. Think about these questions too. What does the community think of our church? Are we known as a place of prayer and of worship? Are all nations welcomed here? Do we as individuals just kind of flee to church on Sundays in an attempt to maybe even cover up our sins? I mean, in a way, that's what they were doing in the temple. They were so busy being about getting ready. In a way, they were just trying to cover up their sins. Put on a good show. Do we come to church in order to just maintain a reputation or truly to come and worship and glorify God? Do we come to church and just say, yeah, I've been at church almost every day this year. I'm good. Or do we truly come here willing to just surrender and submit and yield ourselves to Him? If Jesus were to show up this morning, if He walked through those doors and sat down, what would He think? And of course we know He knows our hearts. What would He see is going on? Would He say, yes, this is truly a place of worship and of prayer and of focusing on My Word? So let's remember Jerusalem welcoming in a king, but then soon after rejecting him. Let's allow Jesus to be king and Lord of our hearts. Remember the fig tree. It's not about just having pretty leaves, but we're supposed to bear fruit so that others may see and know him. And finally, we remember the temple created to be a place, a house of worship and a house of prayer. Church, we are now the temple. And What does that look like for you? So we're going to close in song. We're going to sing this song, Hosanna. And it truly just reminds us 
of that scene, but it's a good reminder as we sing the words of what we truly desire as His disciples. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is He, King of kings, Lord of lords. Let Him be that King that sits on the throne. Let the worship and prayer of the temple be true and authentic. Let your fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, be attractive and a witness and testimony to the people around you so that they may come and see and know the hope that we have as well. Let's pray. Father, we close our time in worship and we know that... um, The crowds welcomed your son into Jerusalem and proclaimed him as king. And we know there were many. There's always that remnant, God. So we know there were many that truly meant it and understood, but so many, God, putting on that show and help us never be like that. But Lord, at the end of the day, it comes to our relationship with you. No one else knows, Father God, what's going on inside, but you do. And so, God, would you help us? Would you be merciful towards us and would you, would you give us that courage to be obedient to you and in doing so, in our obedience to you, we then will grow. We will have fruit that others will see and want to know more about and have themselves. God, have mercy on us, but continue to just shower your blessings on us because we need it and we love it. And thank you for your mercy, even though we may fail you. God, we thank you that you pick us up and you lead us in those ways of righteousness, true righteousness. God, help us to do it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.